My friends, good morning. As I was growing up, I read through the gospel stories, gospel stories like that one, literally, and always looking for a moral. I would go line by line, beatitude by beatitude, parable by parallel. Uh, and I would always be looking for what I should do. I was hopeful that I might act rightly. And because of that, because of my limited vision, my vision was darkened to deeper truths, squinting to focus on just what I should do. I was frequently blind to what Christ was doing. The Gospel of John restored my sight. It began some ten-odd years ago when I found myself in a classroom on the second story of an old house that had been converted to become a house of studies. There, a professor showed me how last week's Gospel, the story of the woman at the well, contained a sort of secret code about how, yes, this was a story about Jesus speaking with a woman at a well in a foreign land, literally. But how in the Old Testament, when Isaac and Jacob and Moses found themselves or their servants at a well in a foreign land with a woman, they married them. Last week's gospel was a story, yes, of Christ ministering to a woman in need and proclaiming his divinity, but it was also a story of God's romance, revealing his heart once hidden that longs to wed foreign humanity back to himself. The first time I read through that story and understood it, my eyes opened. I was, I was amazed, and I was furious. It was so meaningful, and I was so in awe, but I couldn't believe that no one had ever told me about this before. Nor could I believe that I had been Catholic for how long, and I had never cared to look it up. And so I swore to myself that when I was a priest, to the best of my ability, I would not allow the secret treasure of the Gospel of John to be hidden from my people. Not anymore. Know that John kind of broadcasts the hidden meaning of his Gospel from the very beginning. He begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. What came to be through Him was life. And this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness. Good. And the darkness has not overcome it. By beginning in 
the beginning, John hearkens his readers back to the beginning. In Genesis, when God created all things good, good until man broke and sullied them sinfully. Six days God made good things, and on the seventh day, as he rested, Satan sowed seeds of distrust in man's heart, and man, made from dust and clay, became cracked, unable to hold the grace that God had in store for him. And this crack, once made, was passed down from generation to generation like, like a birthmark on the human soul. Every man and woman inherited it before even they could sin themselves. Still, the light shone on and darkness could not leave us broken and blind forever. Today, the gospel story continues. When passing by a man who was blind from birth, Jesus' disciples ask, whose sin is responsible for this blindness, his or his parents? The only two options. Jesus answered that those are not the only two options. Neither he nor his parents sinned. He was blind so that the works of God, often unseen, often hidden, might be made visible. This man who could not yet see was meant to be an instrument to give others their sight. It's part of the logic of God. Jesus affirms that he is the light of the world, something he said just a chapter earlier in front of a huge bonfire in the temple on the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, this giant flame that rose over 30 feet high. Jesus said, you think that's a light? No. I am the light. And saying it once again, I am the light of the world. Get this. He spits on the ground, in the dust. He makes clay with his saliva and he smears the clay on the eyes of the blind man. And he tells him to go wash in the pool of the scent. Can you imagine that unfortunate scene that followed? The poor blind beggar, now with mud on his face, trying to follow the command of an authority that he could not see. He stumbles from alley to alley, seeking help where he can, until he finally comes to the pool to wash. And when he does wash, when he emerges from the water, he's made new. He can see. We're, we're told then that all of this occurred on a Sabbath. Remember that because it's important. It's not just John tattling on Jesus, nor is it just explaining why there is a trial. But there is a trial of sorts that ensues. And as you heard it, I hope 
oh, gosh, I, I, I don't know. I hope you weren't just sitting there going like, man, huh, that's a long gospel. I hope that you were getting mad. I, I hope you were infuriated. This, this story should be infuriating. It ought to be. This man in the story is a living miracle. And no one seems to care. No, no one even pays attention to that. He tells the Pharisees the true story of his healing. But he's disbelieved. They say, oh, Jesus couldn't do that miracle. He doesn't respect the Sabbath. Still unable to believe, the Jews summon the parents of the man born blind, and they, with a cowardly tremor, say, yes, this is our son, but we don't know anything about this. Ask him. So they call him back. And they call Jesus a sinner. And the man responds with incredulity. He says, look, if he's a sinner, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm no expert in that. But one thing I do know is that I was blind like 10 minutes ago. And I have been my whole life. And now I can see. And I feel like you're missing that. And they ask him the same questions over again. Fine, how did he do it? By what means? Why would he do something like that? And then he almost ridicules them. You want to know how he opened my eyes? I already told you. Why do you want to know so bad? <gasps> do you want to be his disciples too? And the Jews balk at this. And they say, we're disciples of Moses. We don't know where this Jesus is from. And here the man is astonished. He says, you don't know where he's from? No. Yes, exactly. This is what is so amazing. That you do not know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do any of this. Then they call the blind man names, they condemn him, and they throw him out of the temple. And when Jesus heard this, he found him, and then he revealed his identity to him, his divinity, and the man worships him, something no one else had done. The disciples stuck by, says even they believed in the works he performed. The woman at the well last week, it says that she believed in him, saw him, but no one had worshipped him. No one had worshipped him. And it, it sounds right that he worships him, doesn't it? Jesus is God, and God is to be worshipped. But is it possible that the man born blind who saw more than the Pharisees, also sees more than we do? See this story with new eyes. As we've already said, God made man in the beginning in Genesis. And John's Gospel begins by reaffirming this. But after the sixth day of creation, six days, he makes all this stuff, right? On the seventh day, God rested all the while, on that same day, man broke himself. 
and God's creation that had looked like it was done now kind of looked unfinished. You make a pot or a coffee mug or a plate or something, and you're spinning and you're doing all the work and you get it just right, just smooth, and then all of a sudden you, ooh, and you leave a crack in it, what do you, you say, oh, look, here is my finished product that is totally marred and ruined and looks like it was made when I was eight. No. Now God still had work to do. And so what does Jesus do on the Sabbath? The seventh day. The day God rested from creation. He picks up right where he left off. He goes to work again on the unfinished product. On the seventh day, he starts fixing things. He takes from the dust of the earth like he did on that one day so long ago. He turns it into clay and he smears it on the broken spot. And he fills in the broken pieces marred by man's fall. He smooths over this rough anointing and he commands the man to wash. And he does wash. He washes in the pool of the scent. But that's a weird name, isn't it? Don't you think maybe that's there on purpose? Who is sent? Oh. Jesus says it in this gospel himself. He says, I was sent to do this work. He says it later in John's Gospel. The Father has sent me. He then continues and said, As the Father sends me, so I send you. And those who follow Jesus become sent people. We say it in the Mass. Do you know why we call this whole going to church thing Mass? We're so original in naming things in the Catholic Church. At the end of the, the old Mass in the Latin days, I wasn't even alive back then. Sorry, not trying to make you feel old. The Latin Mass would end, Ite Misa Est, which means, go forth, it is sent. That we who participate in the grace of God are a sent people. And so this man who was broken and blind, anointed, washes in the pool of those who are sent. And our pool provided by Christ where we wash, where the broken part of us, the part inherited from our birth, is our baptism. And washing in the pool of baptism, man is made new. Not just this one man, but all of us. What was left unfinished, now through Christ's own sacraments, is made whole. Jesus continues to create, to recreate us all. All men and women, born blind, broken in original sin, become, by God's grace, great seers and are made into instruments to give others vision. 
Notice that the man born blind bows to worship Jesus, and Jesus does not correct him because for the first time, the man truly sees. Not just see like, oh, look, a, a man. He sees deeply. He sees truly like no one else had seen before. And by the witness of his sight, souls are shaken. Pharisees question the man, and it's not that they can't see, it's worse than that. It's that they won't see. The story began with the declaration that physical blindness is not caused by sin, and it ends with the declaration that spiritual blindness is. We were all of us broken by original sin. Every man and woman here inherited that sin before ever they sinned themselves. And still the light shone on. And darkness could not leave us blind and broken forever. So today, rather than trying to mine this gospel to figure out what we can do, Open your eyes and see what Christ is doing. Because it's great, isn't it? <laughs> he knows your blind spots and mine. And he offers a sight. See then. See him. And like the man born blind, be bowed in worship. Our world may be dark. But see how the light shines. And by the grace of God, extended along these pews from this font and this altar, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness still cannot overcome it. Amen.